we continue in Hosea and we kind of conclude in Hosea, uh, Jonathan will get an opportunity to bring his conclusion as he takes us to chapter 14 in uh, a couple of weeks' time. But this is my last, uh, in the meantime, who knows? It's my last time in the meantime in Hosea. And we're at chapter 12. Chapter 13 is going to get sort of maybe not a fair crack of the whip. And we want to, in this Communion Sunday, just bring out something here from chapter 12 that I think is important to us and links wonderfully in an uncontrived way because we didn't set it up to be here on the uh, Communion Sunday. But let's read. And let's read from actually chapter 11. Um, That's not in your order of service. Bear with me for a verse. And um, let's hear the word of God. Uh, Hosea 11 verse 12. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies. The house of Israel with deceit. And Judah is unruly against God. Even against the faithful Holy One. Ephraim feeds on the wind. He pursues the east wind all day and multiplies lies and violence. He makes a treaty with Assyria, sends olive oil to Egypt. The Lord has a charge to bring against Judah. He will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. But you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice. And wait for your God always. The merchants use dishonest scales. They love to defraud. Ephraim boasts, I am very rich. I have become wealthy. With all my wealth they will not find in me any iniquity or sin. I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. I will make you live in tents again as in the days of your appointed festivals. I spoke to the prophets, gave them many visions and told parables through them. Is Galilee wicked? Its people are worthless. Do they sacrifice bulls at Gilgal? Their altars were all like piles of stones on a ploughed field. Jacob fled to the country of Aram. Israel served to get a wife and to pay for her he tended sheep. The Lord used a prophet to bring Israel up from Egypt. By a prophet he cared for him. But Ephraim has aroused his bitter anger. His Lord will leave him with the guilt of his bloodshed and will repay him for his contempt. It's a real amazing roller coaster of judgment, redemption interruptions of grace I suppose as I come to the final barbs of judgment and uh, we'll come to some conclusions and what Hosea is really about near the end 
But as you come to the barbs of judgment here, you find right in chapter 11, actually, which is cut off in the NIV. We're going to be reading New Testaments. They're not cut off anywhere, but somebody has cut this off with well-meaning because it seems to fit more maybe in chapter 12. And it starts with the first words, Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, the house of Israel with deceit. This is about lies and deceit. And we've been listening for chapters as these supposed people of God have attempted to deceive their God, if that's possible, and use deceitful ways to gain their own humanistic achievements of peace and prosperity and hedonism. If we go down even to verse 7, we see it again. The merchants are dishonest, use dishonest scales. It's about dishonesty. It's about deceit. And into the middle of this, we get the king of dishonesty. He appears out of the blue. Jacob suddenly comes into the story. And Jacob, of course, is the one who we know as being dishonest. One of my best um, exegesis on uh, Jacob was in a very strange, unlikely setting. I'd gone to see Bruce Springsteen in the uh, O2 arena, I think they call it now in Dublin. It was the point then. And he was doing all these gospel kind of songs as part of a civil rights kind of collection of songs. But he came to sing a song that we've actually done here in Fitzroy. Um, we did it one evening last year, Jacob's Ladder. I can remember the Fitch brass section going crazy over in this corner here. And we were all on our feet and all kinds of stuff. It's a song called Jacob's Ladder. It's actually an old Negro spiritual, very basic in its lyrics. It's basically Jacob climbing the ladder after this time or this dream that he had um, ascending this ladder. And as Springsteen comes to this song, he says, the next song's called Jacob's Ladder. It's about a guy in the Old Testament. And immediately I'm like, oh, oh, he knew that. And then he says, and because I'm singing you a song about this Jacob in the Old Testament, I thought I'd better look up and see who this Jacob guy was. I'm thinking, oh, Bruce is reading his Bible back there. Might do the community Bible experience if we got him on the right day. And then he said, so I read about this Jacob guy. And he said he was one bad, mean It was earthy exegesis. And then he said, and then somehow he just fell back into the arms of God's grace. Boom. And they were into this song. And I can remember looking at my mate and going, did we just hear that? It was this incredible moment of clarity because it's really what we have in Hosea chapter 12. Not that I'm thinking because... Uh, Bruce told us that he was reading from Genesis. But there's this guy, Jacob, who was the king of all deceit. You remember, he's in the heel. He's got his twin brother there. And, and then he's dealing and wheeling and dealing to get all kinds of things when he get into the world. And, you know, Genesis 27, Esau said, Not for nothing was he named Jacob, the heel. Twice now he's tricked me. First he took my birthright, now he's taken my blessing. Haven't you kept any blessing for me? 
Here is Jacob who is, in all intents and purposes, under the judgment of God for his lies and his deceit. And God breaks into his life. And as God breaks into his life, he breaks into his life with this wrestling match. Where Jacob actually goes away with the blessing, yes, but with a limp. And I've often thought about that story when it comes to, when you, when you preach about Jacob, other than Jacob's ladder, you don't have many songs that you can sing about Jacob. David, there's one for you. Um, because, you know, modern worship music is sort of the music now that you don't use for, oh, there's a sermon on Jacob, we need four songs that would take us into that and bring us out of that and give us some theology that we could take into the week, week ahead. Worship music now is sort of, you put it on your CD in the way or your iPod in the way into work and it makes you feel good before you get to work. And you really don't want a feel-good song that says, once you get a blessing from God, you're going to be marked with a limp or a scar or some other deformity. It really wouldn't sell CDs. So you want to keep it out of the picture. But it is the truth that when we engage with God, it's not always nice and feely-weely and warm and fuzzy. When Jacob had this interruption of grace in his life, when that person that Springsteen recognized as this bad guy who had really only judgment upon him, and suddenly, by the grace of God, he gets into a wrestling match with God, there are consequences to that. And it doesn't always come out that we're prettier or thinner or whatever else once we've got the blessing. Because the difference in the blessings is what it's all about. The people of Israel were looking for their own blessing. They were looking for their own way of life. They were looking for whatever hedonism brought them or whatever security with these dodgy allegiances would bring them or whatever dishonest skills would bring them in the ways of wealth. They were looking for, if we want to call it, and we've got to be careful how we use the word, but worldly, earthly blessings. God was wanting to give them the blessings that we really need or want. What it is to be human. What it is to be reconnected with God. What it is to be bringing God's blessings not only to your nation, but to the nation's. So this Jacob guy is the same guy that we all hold in such esteem because he changed his name to Israel. And he was Joseph's dad. And there's all this blessing that he brought into the world after he stopped being deceitful and manipulative to get his own blessings and started to live for those higher kinds of blessings. And yet, the bottom line of the story for me is and I really feel, oh, I'm going to take a jump at this one. I don't often quote Rihanna, but this is hope and love, rather. I got it wrong. Great, I quoted it wrong. That makes me feel better. Love in a hopeless place. Jacob found love, grace interrupting, in a hopeless place. And the story of Hosea is the story we talked about at the start. Gomer, who went off on her hedonistic lies and deceit prostitution. When she was being sold into slavery, grace interrupted and she was bought back at a price. 
she found love in a hopeless place. The children of Israel, Judah, Ephraim, they're under the judgment of God and this book gives you some hopeless judgments. And they're going to be taken away. They're heading into exile. Some of this stuff is going to happen. But God is not giving up. And hope and love will be found in a hopeless place. And this morning, what is your hopeless place? Are you in a hopeless place? Am I in a hopeless place? Are we in a hopeless place? We come to a grace interruption. We come to remember this place of the skull. We come to remember that the word became flesh, lived for a time among us, and humbled himself to death on a cross to interrupt the world that was hopeless with love. Why does Hosea bring Jacob in? Well, it seems to me that what's happening here is in the scriptures, Stories are really important for the people of God. Do you remember, even here, I was the one who brought you out of Egypt. Remembering the story. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember the story. The Passover. Let's remember the story and let's remember it as we can taste it and smell it and that kind of meal type thing. The stories are important. Do this in remembrance of me. There is something about this story that we come into that feeds us, that reminds us, that elevates us, that helps us on the journey. Ben Oakley has said, stories are the secret reservoir of values. Change the stories individuals or nations live by and you change the individuals and nations themselves. Wow. Stories are the secret reservoir of values. Change the stories individuals or nations live by and you change the individuals and nations themselves. We come from a world of stories. We've been reading stories. We've been watching stories. We have been telling stories. And many of those stories are of a hopeless place. And so when we're called into church, when the bells ring, need to think about it, we've got the tower open again. When we're called in, and when we open the scriptures as we do as part of our liturgy, and when we start to think about the scriptures as central to the Presbyterian liturgy, and when we do the sacraments of baptism And the Lord's Supper, we are bringing ourselves into a secret reservoir of values through which God will interrupt by his grace to change us and feed us and move us forward. Which is again one of the reasons, and I didn't contrive it again, that we want to lift these New Testaments and we want to take them home and we want to immerse ourselves and saturate ourselves in remembering the story. On Friday, Thursday, 
I was called to the bedside of um, someone who none of you probably know. They're very tenuous link with Fitzroy. And it's one of those, to be fair, and I can say this, I think, because I'm, I'm pretty much sure that the story will not get out even on the net. But uh, it's one of those stories where you're, you're hearing it and you're thinking, really, I just, you know, they, they, they don't come to church. They, you know, have I the time to, you know. But I went to this bed of this person who has, she's still there, but it won't be long. And I walked in and I sat down beside her and I said, I'm going to read you some stuff here. I'm going to get you to think of some stuff. And I read that bit in Hebrews where um, I was able to say, God's not away out there, but he's here and he understands. And if you come uh, with confidence, grace and mercy's here for you. And this woman was responding in such an amazing way. And then I said it. Do you remember when Jesus said, told the story of the prodigal son. Do you remember when Jesus said, and it said, do you remember three times before I realized this is what I'm on on Sunday. Do you remember? Remember me. Remember. Because when we have these stories that are secret reservoirs of values, they go with us for years. And right here, Hosea saying, I'm going to bring in this story of Jacob. Because this story of Jacob tells it how it is and reveals the redemption and the possibility of grace and the possibility of change that I'm going to bring about in my plans for humanity. Stories. The secret reservoir of values. The stories we tell ourselves. The stories we live in. The stories we saturate ourselves in will decide what blessings we chase, what blessings we receive, and what blessings we share. So as we sing out of Hosea 6, um, and move into remembering this story, Let us realize that the story in Jacob and Hosea and the story of the cross is right there in Hosea chapter 12 also. You must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. The stories tell us that we can't find love in whatever hopeless place we think we're in.